0: I'm Cave Baker. And I'm Andrew Price. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk through the ins, outs, and nitty gritty so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... The pandemic of 1918, aka the Spanish flu. What is the pandemic of 1918? Well, it's a global pandemic often referred to as the Spanish flu. It was a horrible influenza that swept from nation to nation in about 1918 to 1920. It killed somewhere between 50 and 100 million people and reshaped the globe. It was also widely not acknowledged by the developed world due to the fact that there was a simultaneously transpiring world war, and none of the superpowers wanted to appear weak on the global stage. Today, much can be learned from the mistakes and mishandlings of the pandemic of 1918, and yet, We aren't, because we're all fucking morons. Act 1. Despite all my rage, I'm still trapped in here with all of these doofuses. As we approach our first full year in quarantine, the phrase, how the fuck did we get here comes up frequently in conversation. The simple and immovable fact that a year of experiences, career advancements, and even just hanging out has been sacrificed is pretty weird to comprehend. That's to say nothing of the legion of victims of the virus, those who have survived and those who haven't. 2020 was a deeply strange year. If you're looking for more content on that side of things, check out our Verhoeven's Pay episode.
1: I used to see Davey Bakey's sweet, smooth cheeks at least once a week. <laughs> and now I haven't seen him in like a year.
0: That's not true. You've seen me at least once when I chased Charles Wexler Weller away from the front of your house. Oh yeah, yeah. In my I'll car. When I was in my car, that you've seen it at least then, but I don't think that we've seen each other in the real world. Other than that Oh no And over the summer Yeah over the summer When you you, Yeah when you gave me An air conditioner That was Which literally Saved my life
1: Yeah, those are the only two times in this entire year we've seen each other. Yeah, which is weird. It's it's weird how it's kind of redefined like the meaning of social s- interaction and kind of almost humanity that like bef- before I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have considered. I mean, if it was long distance, like if you have a friend that's like living out of state or whatever, but I, I if you live in the same town as somebody and you never see them in person, you never hang out with them and you only like sometimes chat with them online. I would not have considered that like a genuine friendship. And it, and this whole thing is just completely redefined that. And not that like obviously we're being forced to do it for a reason, but it's still like I just my pre pandemic thought process, I wouldn't have been able to fathom thinking that like a, just a friendship where you only talk to somebody on the Internet would be like a would feel like a legitimate friendship. But then now it's kind of like ah, it, it's not exactly the same, but it 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 feels more legitimate than I would have ever thought it would.
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely has moved things in a weird direction. That's for sure. Um, simultaneously, I'm I'm <laughs> I, I feel I have very mixed feelings about it. On one hand, I'm really uh, glad for the time to be able to have made work and stayed in my house and and made lots of headway on things. Um, and there's an existential solace that comes with that. And then there's also the side of it that's like I'm a fucking theater nerd extrovert, so I like need to go out and like be an idiot and perform and stuff, and that's like not at all
1: happening. Honestly, I'd like I'd like for us to be able to hang out and do stuff and also you know make things and stuff like that. But aside from that, uh, I don't care if I ever see anybody else again. Oh, really? That's so sweet. That wasn't even supposed to sound like a sweet thing. I was just. (laughs) Oh, you've you've like recontextualized it. as like a heartwarming thing. It is. You literally (laughs) just said that you were
0: like, everything I need for my soul to be nourished is provided to be my my wife and my kids, except for the Dave shaped hole in your
1: heart. Yep. Which is very small. (laughs) <laughs> it's like one of those It's like one of those imperceptible Little holes that you really need To get checked out by a doctor because It's a silent killer
0: <laughs> Yeah but it's, it's, a, it's a silhouette It's like a silhouette of me like <laughs> I've known multiple people that have contracted The virus and a few that have passed Away my heart aches for them Their families and the Simple fact that so much of this Was preventable Our cultural memory seems to only be capable of extending back so far. The terminus of that grasp seems to vary depending on how much pain and trauma was involved in the given historical matter. And you'd think that a fucking global pandemic like the Spanish flu that killed millions would be something that's taught in schools and revered as a catastrophe that we all need to avoid at any cost. But you'd be wrong, because a 100 years is a long time. The Spanish flu, aka the pandemic of 1918, was a deadly influenza caused by H1N1 influenza A virus. It lasted from 1918 to 1920, and it infected roughly 500 million people, about one third of the world's population. And it had not one, not two, not three, but four successive waves. The death toll is estimated to be somewhere between 20 and 50 million people, although some say it's as few as 17 and others say it's as many as 100 million that died from this virus. It was first spotted in the US, in Kansas in March of 1918, then in April in France and Germany and the UK. However, to maintain the morale for the First World War, which was raging at the time, government censors minimized reports. Woodrow- Woodrow Wilson, Woodrow Wilson, Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson is very hard for me to say, okay? I'm
1: going to get you, you wascoey rabbit. (laughs) Woodrow
0: Wilson had recently passed the Sedition Act, making it prosecutable under the law for anyone saying anything negative about the country, which basically gave the government free license to lie. The horrible spread of the virus was just one of the many things that the act did. The general approach to things was that you just put your head in the sand and we'll sort it out later. Right now, we have a fucking world war to win, which is probably okay on some
1: issues, but when there's a raging pandemic, it's a little bit harder. I don't want to give any spoilers, but I will say, hmm, massive incompetence and deception by leadership leading to an unnecessary growth of a horrible virus... just ravaging the country and killing millions of people that it didn't need to and uh, a misinformation campaign purposely designed to distract people from the real problems in the sake of nationalism hmm. hmm sounds familiar hmm maybe it was a movie that i saw in a theater before movie theaters became extinct hmm i think it was i think that was the plot of dunkirk <laughs> Well, yeah, because that's, uh, that's the last line of Dunkirk. It's,
0: it's a buddy comedy that takes place during a pandemic in 1918, um, about a guy named George and a guy named Kirk. And George gets the 1918 Spanish flu and he's, Kirk goes to visit him. You know, he's wearing a gas mask and there's all these people dying and coughing and bleeding out of their eyes and their nose and their mouth. And he bends down next to George and he's like, George. You can make it, George. You just got to hold on. We're almost through. And he goes, no, I'm done, Kirk. Smash to black.
1: See, I was going to go in a different direction with the same joke. I was going to say that it was like the ending of Chinatown where instead of just, you know, Faye Dunaway having just been shot and killed by her father, played by John Huston. Instead, it's just seeing the chaos of the, the Spanish flu just ravaging, running rampant, killing people, misinformation, and then just some guy putting his arm around Kirk and being like, it's done, Kirk, and then just walking away.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad to know that uh, we can definitely workshop this and see what the appropriate ending to the Dunkirk movie is. Because I can tell you one thing, it's definitely not the movie Dunkirk, because that shit sucked. Come at me, Christopher Nolan.
1: Hey, I already I already I already dropped the fucking ultimate roast of Dunkirk on the on the Matthew Nolan episode. Which was I had the the whole episode had a runner where I kept like I don't remember I don't remember the specific jokes, but it was like I just kept dunking on Dunkirk the whole time.
0: Oh, good. Well, I'm glad to know that we're birds of a feather. Um, <laughs> I don't remember this at all because I've slept since then, but I'm glad that you were doing the Lord's work.
1: Oh, yeah. D- Dave's memory resets um, every time he sleeps. It's true. I have to catch him up on his whole life up till every day, like fifty first dates style.
0: I hear that there's some like um, mental tricks that like preschoolers are given usually. Um, but they don't have schools where I'm from, so I never learned how to do that because Arizona is just like another thing man they just don't have schools there so I
1: whatever yeah there's actually if you everywhere that there should be a school in Arizona there's just a big hole that's shaped like a school
0: all right let's watch this CBS
1: morning news clip about that Spanish flume you were gonna say something mm, I've already forgotten so it mustn't have been that important God damn it you you took us you took a micro nap didn't you you <laughs> All right, Dave. Okay, so the year is 1988. And Justice for All by Metallica has just dropped. People are complaining that the the bass isn't loud enough in it. Dave Baker is born on January 6th. January 6th. He comes out of the womb just hatless as a 4th of July picnic. (laughs) Well, I'll I'll, I'll fill you in on the rest later. We got to watch this. Okay, cool. All right, cool. All right, cool.
2: Not for the first time. Substitute Spanish flu for coronavirus, 1918 for 2020, and just look. Seattle, seized by the Godzilla of modern pandemics.
1: Is COVID the King Adora of pandemics?
2: 75,000 Americans, 50 to 100 million people died
3: worldwide. And that's equivalent to 225 to 450 million people today. That's Most incredible. It, it, The numbers are staggering.
2: John Barry wrote a history of the 1918 flu. He is on the adjunct faculty of Tulane
3: University. There was a mild spring wave that was hit or miss. It came back in the fall with more than a vengeance. Probably 60 to 70 percent of the deaths actually occurred in an incredibly short time of probably about 14 or 15 weeks. from late September 1918 until, you know, through December, maybe a little into January. The most horrific symptoms, really, were you could bleed not only from your nose and mouth, but from your eyes and ears.
2: The first serious outbreak in the United States began at Camp Funston, now Fort Riley in Kansas.
1: Fort Riley is a lot better name than Camp Funston.
0: How good would it be if it was actually called uh, Camp Funstown, but she just mispronounced it?
1: (laughs) No, they they purposely changed the pronunciation after this. They were like, we're going to rebrand. Funstown is just not a – it doesn't work for us anymore after this. It's not a good – Camp Funston.
2: As infected soldiers from across the country made their way to the trenches in France, the virus spread but the nation wasn't told. A year earlier, President Woodrow Wilson had rammed through Congress the Sedition Act, making it a crime to say or publish anything negative that would affect the war effort.
3: Wilson created what was called the Committee for Public Information. Uh, The architect of that committee said, truth and falsehood are arbitrary terms. The force of an idea lies in its inspirational value. It matters very little if it is true or false. Was that a license to lie to the American public? It was precisely that. In the United States, you had national public health leaders saying such things as, quote, this is ordinary influenza by another name, unquote. At the local level, the same kind of thing was occurring. So 48 hours later, influenza exploded around the city. The result is, It's one of the hardest hit cities in the world. And the mass graves being dug by steam shovels and so forth.
2: And how many people died?
3: Uh, About 14,500 in Philadelphia. The biggest lesson from the 1918 pandemic is clearly to tell the truth.
2: What are the consequences if the truth isn't
3: told? I think more people will die, yeah. Uh, Clearly, that was the case in 1918. People can deal with the truth. It's the unknown that's
1: much scarier. Some of the stuff they talked about in that kind of goes back to what we talked about in the Illuminati card game episode. It it it, it brings up a, a just a circumstantial thing that we touched on in that episode in that, like, everyone thinks that card game predicted the future because of all these odd coincidences of cards that had these things that seemingly exactly, you know, depicted things that happened, you know, specifically in the future. And that created this conspiracy theory that it was. Somehow like a card game that was like created by the Illuminati to like foretell of the things (laughs) that they were going to do to establish the new world order. And, you know, when you ask the question of like, how is it possible to uncannily predict things like that? You know, what's what's the explanation for that? If it isn't that it's genuine precognition, the answer is look at this. Look at look at how similar the circumstances are. Now, as they were then, a large percentage of people have no frame of reference for any of this. A lot of people probably have no idea that we went through a period in the United States in history where there was like a flu, there was like a a disease that was ravaging the world, ravage, I mean, ravaging the world, yes, but ravaging our country specifically, killing hundreds of thousands of people. People were walking around wearing masks. People were like quarantining and doing all the same stuff that we're doing right now. People, there's a, there's a large swath of people who probably have no idea that that ever happened. And when you actually look at it, it's like uncannily similar to what we're doing now. So, you know, whenever you, when you look at things like that card game and you're like, how could someone predict these things that gets so similar? How is it possible to just by coincidence predict this? This is just another example of that where it's like, It's you could say it's a coincidence, I guess. But in reality, it's just our world works on these sort of macro structures and systems and the way that our society is put together. And then also the way that like biology works, things tend to happen in cycles and patterns. And so by that very nature, a lot of times think like that that adage exists for a reason. History is doomed to repeat itself. You know, if you don't learn from it, these things will just Happen again and again in in just strikingly similar ways. I mean,
0: and even to to prove that point even more, like so, we've we've mentioned that the reason why the flu was the Spanish flu was called the Spanish flu is because even though it started in America, we had the Sedition Act that caused newspapers to not be able to report on it. So Spain did report on it because they were a neutral country in the first world war. And then the kind of global rumor attribution mill spiraled out of control because everybody kind of just blamed the Spaniards for this, even though it wasn't something they did at all, which literally happens this time. happened this time with with the whole Trump saying, calling it the Chinese virus and Wuhan and like, we still don't know any of those things. Like every, all of that stuff. We think we know where it's from. We think we know roughly why it started, but we don't we don't actually know what the with the coronavirus. All of that stuff could be disproven in 15 years when we were like, oh, actually, it first appeared in fucking Zimbabwe or Brazil or, you know, Duluth.
1: Yeah. And I'm, and even if even if that's not the case, like, you know, we're, we're 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 pretty sure that it originated where where we kind of think it's originated. But. You know, a a virus like unless you subscribe to the conspiracy theory that it was created in a lab by Chinese scientists, a virus has no allegiances to countries. It's not like I love China and I'm going to kill. I'm going to help China destroy the rest of the world to establish economic supremacy. So I'm just going to, like, become a virus and start. It's like the, the 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 country of origin has no relevance whatsoever
0: yeah, but there is a a sort of xenophobic racism that goes along with that. people can use that to play into their prior biases of like, oh, look, uh, the Chinese culture is, you know, antithetical to American for all of these different reasons. And we don't like them um, because they weren't able to control this virus and blah, 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 even though we were the ones who like completely just bungled every aspect of it because of the regime's, uh, similar to Woodward Wilson, it's, it's desire to not look weak. But I think that's, that's interesting is that one of the key tipping points for the Spanish press covering the virus is that King Alfonso the 13th, um, the King of Spain at the time contracted the virus. And the, these stories were then picked up by the global press and this kind of false narrative of the flu in air quotes originating in Spain started because of that. Um, and, and, and also just because, you know, the Spanish newspapers were the only ones brave enough to fucking cover this crazy bullshit. Um, it, it's also really interesting to me that it's the exact same thing in the exact same way, but with one thing different. Like that's kind of how, that's how shitty science fiction works. And that's how history works, <laughs> where it's like, Oh yeah, so right now we have a pandemic that's raging across the world our leaders don't want to take um accountability for it and they are throwing the poor and weak under the bus of history and hoping that they can make it out alive and it's killing the old people. And the other time that this had happened was it's everything exactly the same except it's killing the young people.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the, and not only is it killing the old the young people but it's it's like killing these Young soldiers that we've just like sent off to be like fodder in a in, in a in, you know, the the war machine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The the symptoms for uh, the the Spanish flu include sore throat, headache and fever to start with that then spiraled up into an inability to breathe, which is also similar to covid. Um, but then it just jumps the shark and gets way more metal. Uh, you basically start bleeding out of your eyes, nose, and mouth, and ears. Uh, and as things progress, you get bacterial pneumonia, your face turns blue, your extremities turn black, and then you die. Um, which,
1: you know, that does not sound like a good time. It was also called Debovid 18, which was short for Demi virus, 1918.
0: Debovid 18 sounds like a really shitty Star Trek character.
1: I mean, is it a really shitty Star Trek character or is it a really good Deep Cuts universe character?
4: People fit 18, reporting for duty. <laughs> he's just, he's Zero. This is the voice of Zero. And this is the voice of people fit 18. We are two different characters. How dare you not be able to distinguish us, friend unit, Andrew. You piece of shit, friend unit
1: Andrew. Hey, Zero, I, I know that you're our new neighbor and you did a great job cleaning up the wreckage of the Mystery Treehouse after your boss crashed his spaceship into the side of it and tried to kill us and you tried to kill us. And the only reason why you're not trying to kill us now is because I reprogrammed you to be good or at the very least neutral using Jenny Frianka's cyborg arm. But uh, we are actually trying to record a podcast now. I I mean, I don't know if this is like something that exists in your home dimension that is like a custom that you understand. But like, usually you don't just walk into somebody's house with a random friend that you picked up off the street and just barge into their podcast studio the recording so yeah it's great to see you
4: it is nice to see you too friend unit andrew but also i feel like we should just sit in this corner and listen to the rest of this episode to ensure factual integrity
1: honestly i don't hate that i know that dramatically or narratively you would think that i would be annoyed by that but If there was a robot in every room, just real-time fact-checking everything everybody said, that would be my ideal world. (laughs) Consider it our pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. You should definitely go like the Facebook page for the Deep Cuts pod because we do lots of cool video content on there that you'll be sure to like. Also, please join our Facebook group.
1: That's Deep Cuts Podcast on Facebook and the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Also follow us on Instagram, at Deep Cuts Pod.
0: Act two. It's like really shitty poetry. It repeats itself, even though we really don't want it to. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting... You know, I I feel like right now there's everybody is really struggling to maintain myself included is struggling to maintain a sense of perspective about or or just attempting to find a sense of perspective of like how long this is going to last. How difficult is it going to be to overcome this? When are we going to be able to all get vaccinated and get back to work or not get back to work? And is this just going to be the new semi constant for the way things are going to be with the world? Um, so I thought that it would be beneficial for you and I to kind of walk the listener through the the various ups and downs of what happened for the four waves of the Spanish flu that happened over the
1: two years that the Spanish flu was really um, virulent. Also, just as a side note, just re- in in regards to getting back to work, it's it's so weird. i don't i I don't think you've experienced this at all this whole time, but after several months, I think I think I think a little bit after the summer, so you know six or seven or eight. I don't remember exactly what it is months in. Um, we started going uh, back into the office once a week just to shoot videos because we were shooting a bunch of our videos at home, and you know they were fine, but uh, they just weren't as good as they could have been. So we go into the office once a week to shoot videos. And it's so weird. My office is just like a weird ghost town of like the way it was the very last day before we stopped going. There's just, it's so weird. It's like, not, not only is it just like the offices that where it is, everybody's desks are all the same. My toys and all that stuff are just still in there. I've, I only brought a couple of them home, but mostly I just left everything there. And then it's just like weird stuff. Like just, there's just a bag of coffee that's on the microwave that's just like, that was the bag of coffee that we had had that we're making coffee with that day in march 14th or whatever it was and it's just still sitting there it's so weird
0: yeah i'm i'm somewhat concerned about when my office decides to go back in i'm hopeful that we will all have the vaccine by then but yeah i don't know i'm very i'm i'm concerned about what that transition is going to be like
1: yeah, I'm, I I'm actually I, I don't think I, I don't I don't think I'm I'm not 100% sure, but I think I might never go back to the office. I might never go back to an office. I think I might just become whether it's at this company or another one, I think I might be transitioning to just being a fully remote worker and exclusively finding remote work.
0: Well, that's fucking rad, and
1: I hope that you're able to do that.
0: Um I I hope that you don't take that joke job posting that I sent you for Wexler Weller Industries for remote work. Uh, typing the autobiography dictation notes of Charles Wexler Weller. That was a joke. What? I already have a first draft. Complete joke on my part. Not serious that you should take that. So for the first wave, Albert Gitchell was an army cook at Camp Funston in Kansas. Um, or as we like to call
1: it, Camp Funstown.
0: a hey, hey.
1: Also, aside from the Camp Funstown, Albert Gitchell, an army cook at Camp Funston in Kansas, is the most boring sentence ever constructed. (laughs) Are you are you shit talking my script or are you shit talking just that the historic nature of this is so bland? Yeah, just that 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 sequence of concepts, just his name, what his job was, the name of the base that they were at, where they were at. This is just the most bland thing that that led to a, a catastrophic event.
0: So, from you know, after he first contracted it, uh, it spread throughout the camp, um, which was uh, a major training ground for troops throughout the First World War, and a bunch of people contracted it there and then went basically all across the, gro- the all across the globe, and it's it's it was kind of a super, super, super exp- spreader event. It's almost like people were infected there and then almost shuttled out to all four corners of the globe in order to try and make this a global pandemic, like right out the gate. Um, the first wave in terms of its lethality and virality was actually fairly mild. The U.S., uh, roughly, only had about seventy five thousand deaths
1: during the, the first wave of the Spanish flu. Hey, do you know? Do you know what time frame that is?
0: I th- I
1: I didn't write it down in the script, but I think it's about four months. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, that's still fairly sizable. I, I didn't because you know this whole thing, as we established, it takes place across about two years. So I was wondering, you know, because if that was like a year's worth of time, like that's actually not that different than than uh, the yearly death toll in the United States for flu. But yeah, if it's four months, then that's I think it's about four months because um, it here
0: in I wrote in the script that the second wave happens in August. and I don't remember when the, I don't remember when when Albert Gitchell contracted it um i didn't write that down Uh, but the second wave is typically referred to as the deadly second wave you know something is really fucking shitty when it's called the deadly and then the something
1: yeah if there's if there's a global pandemic that's just killing people and then one of the stages of it is called the deadly
0: yeah you you know shit's not good you know shit is not going well um so this is um (laughs) uh in in the script this is i didn't write all of this out long form so it's just bullet point outlines and (laughs) this is so funny to me i wrote the second half of august things really
1: popped off (laughs) (laughs) i'm a fucking moron (laughs) that yeah that that sounds like that sounds like uh like a like a business bro like t- like typing out like the the growth of his company on LinkedIn. Yeah. Like in August things really popped off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, bro. In in August shit really popped off. All these
0: bitches died,
1: bro. We straight killed it. We were seeing 10x month over month growth in our death department.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in our unwarranted bleeding out of your eyes, nose and mouth department during this in air quotes deadly second wave Basically, a shitload more people died. Um, 292,000 in the U.S. alone died during the second wave, um, which moves us now to wave three. The
1: third wave was far. By the way, uh, Debovid18, are you basically like the smoke to Zero's noob cybot? I prefer a reptile.
4: I have a slightly different color palette and legs that are half the
1: length. (laughs) That's fucking weird. Like, the rest of you is the same, but your just legs are shorter? Like, you, your knuckles drag like a Neanderthal?
4: Friend Unit Andrew, I expected more of you. I thought that you would be accepting of robots from other dimensions of all walks of life.
1: God damn it. I knew when I, when I first saw you that you would eventually get me canceled. I knew you were going to be the one.
0: So we get to the third wave. And uh, the third wave actually things start getting a little bit better, but they, the third wave has this racial component to it um, where whenever a spike occurs, um, foreigners, recent immigrants, and poor people are usually blamed and attacked by people that live in that geographic region. Um, so it's it's not as bad in sort of the viral plague element, but it's worse in this sort of... Certain sects of the population are being attacked on multiple fronts now.
1: Being Yeah, being being used as a cudgel of xenophobia.
0: Being used as a cuckold of xenophobia.
1: We know about that.
0: That actually doesn't work. But that, that doesn't work at all. I am a cuckold to xenophobia. Um, so then we hit the fourth wave. And during the fourth wave in the spring of 1920, over uh, 6,000 people were reported in New York City alone to have died. Um. Things got really bad, but they were nowhere near as bad as in the deadly second wave.
1: Also around in around this time as well, I don't know if you've ever heard about this. maybe we, maybe we should do an episode about this, but in the 1920s, like in the in the in the early ish 1920s, there was this there was this um, this random outbreak of this thing called sleeping sickness. Where there was just a bunch of young people that just like basically went into like a catatonic coma out of nowhere.
2: One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four.
1: And they had something called sleeping sickness, and they were just in a coma. And a lot of these people that that didn't die or had the plug pulled on or whatever, they they just lived in a coma for decades. And then in the in the 80s, in the 1980s or maybe the 90s, I forget what it was exactly. All these people, they were just still in a coma. They had they they went into a coma when they were in their like late teens, and they've just been in a coma their entire lives, and now they're you know they're in their what they're in their 60s or 70s, no they're in their 80s, and this this psychologist he found out about this, and he started working on the or he wasn't a psychologist he was a doctor and he started working on these the this method for like bringing them out of the coma and he basically figured it out and he like brought all of these people out of the coma and they just like this whole generation of people that just randomly went into a coma in the 20s he just figured out how to wake all of them up and they just all woke up and were just like i'm fucking 80 but i think i'm a 20 year old it's like it's fucking insane Yes, we absolutely should do that. That sounds amazing.
0: I can't. I, I, how have I never heard of that?
1: I I hadn't heard about it either until I, I watched a documentary about it that I found on YouTube uh, several months ago. At this point, and I just kind of forgot about it until just now. So you did your own research. Yeah, but it was it was an action <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't just some random idiot being like. So there was these people in the twenties. It was like it was like a real documentary that had been ripped and put on YouTube. So I was I was not buying into a conspiracy theory. I was pirating. Get it right.
4: Yeah. Fuck. Be sure to pirate all of your favorite content. Do not support artists. They are the devil. God, shut up, Zero. Um. That was me. devovid eighteen. Fuck. Sorry, bro.
1: Dave. His voice is two semitones deeper than Zero's.
0: Fuck. So just like today during this last section of the uh, uh during, during the during I think it's actually during multiple points in the wave but it really catches on during the last section during the la- the fourth wave. Um mask mandates start to roll out across the country and the globe and um there's a certain percentage of the population that doesn't want to wear them because being an idiot is a timeless look. Um Andrew, what do you think that the new idiot chic look For this fall will be the fall of 2021.
1: Uh, I mean, part of, part of our world now is predicated on just not being able to reasonably predict what the next fucking depth of stupidity we're going to descend into is, um, I mean, well, but I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess we already kind of know we already we are. We already know what the what the fucking season two is going to be. It's going to be we already know that the they're saying that that years ago, the United States was Washington, D.C. was incorporated as a as a company. And so we've actually been living in a corporation called the Corporation of the United States of America for several decades and Trump found out, and then he was trying to dismantle the company and change it back into a country again. And they fought against him, and like they base and like they they like basically own all of us technically. We are property of the corporation of the United States of America. So all the American people are property of the corporation. And Trump purposely left office because, He couldn't allow himself to be the president of a corporation that owned all of us. So he left so that he could fight from the outside. And then Joe Biden has now become the CEO of the corporation of the United States of America. So now QAnon has joined forces with the sovereign nation people who think that they like aren't actual American citizens and exist out of outside of the laws of the land. And they've now joined forces. And now QAnon is like basically saying that like they're not actual American citizens. and They're not subject to the laws of the land of the United States. And so therefore, Joe Biden is not the president of them. Man, they really should have got a new writer's room for that. Yeah. They, Jump in the shark.
0: Yeah. I was going to go like, do you think it's, you know, people saying that licking car batteries is good for you? Or maybe uh, people saying that. Putting used needles in your butt actually gives your body good bacteria.
1: I mean, the, the, the answer is, like, all of them. Like, you, we, like, we could effectively turn any of these into a conspiracy theory and convince a bunch of people that they're true. Like, pretty easily.
4: That is not true. People are good at
1: their core.
4: And they are just wanting to be loved. And spreading peace and understanding is the way to win the hearts and minds of everyone maybe in
1: your fucking dimension debovid 18 <laughs> sure as fuck isn't here act 3
0: 1918 more like 1918 19- am i right Thomas Woodrow Wilson was born December twenty-eighth, eighteen fifty-six, and lived until February third, eighteen twenty-four. Nineteen twenty-four. He didn't live he didn't he didn't live to be negative
1: twenty-two <laughs> years old. <laughs> he lived back in time. He was, negative 30 he was like, like years old. He's yeah. like the he's like the Benjamin Button, but instead of like aging in reverse, he just ages back in time.
0: Yeah, nineteen twenty four. He died on February third, nineteen twenty four. He served as the 28th president of the United States of America from 1913
1: to 1921.
0: To 1824, when he died. <laughs> right, yeah. The former governor of New Jersey and the president of the Princeton University, Wilson ushered in wide-sweeping policies that were largely progressive. They would not be rivaled until the New Deal in 1933 was spearheaded by FDR. Um, You know, he also passed the Sedition Act and was like, hey, guys, fucking (laughs) let's do this. Let's let's kill all these people by not admitting
1: all of this shit. And it was also like super anti-Semitic.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: There's no joke to be made there. I'm not even going to make a joke. He He just he just just, just was. He
0: hated Jews. That's there's no there's no punchline to that. (laughs) Nope. He was also the architect of the League of Nations and the creator of Wilsonianism approach to foreign policy. I don't know why I said it that way. It's just Wilsonism. I don't know why I said I, I was. I wanted to add another Onianism in there. I wanted Wilsonianism. To be Wilson, Wilsonianism? Yeah, that's not. That's not how that works. It's just Wilsonism.
1: I don't know. He founded the League of Nations, though. Is he, Is his estate getting royalties from all those DC movies they're making?
0: Uh, no, because DC doesn't pay anybody royalties because uh, they were founded by mobsters in the 1930s. Uh, Jack Cohen gave Her- uh Harry Donenfeld his childhood best friend. Uh, I think it was $300 to buy a printing press, and they uh, started publishing pulp novels. And then in the late 30s, by the time comics started to become popular, they started publishing comics. And because they were mobsters, they didn't have the same kind of literary um, morals that publishers had. Um, So they stole everyone's rights. So no.
1: Interesting. You You learn two new things every day.
0: Basically, the, the, the core tenets of Wilsonism are an emphasis on self-determination of peoples and an advocacy of the spread of democracy. Um, Anne-Marie Slaughter writes that Wilson uh, expected and hoped that democracy would result in self-determination but never sought to spread democracy directly. Slaughter similarly uh, writes that Wilson's League of Nations was similarly intended to foster liberty demo- and democracy Uh, by serving as a high wall behind which nations, especially small nations, uh, could exercise their right to self-determination. But that Wilson did not envision the U.S., uh, would affirmatively intervene or direct, indirect or, you know, attempt to shape democracies in foreign nations, um, through military action. He was an advocacy, he was an advocate for the spread of capitalism. Boo! Um, he also uh supported um for uh supported uh, collective security and uh at least partial opposition to american isolationism um he ha- he offered uh support for uh multilateralism through collective deliberation among nations and supported open democracy and opposed secret treaties and finally, uh, supported the freedom of navigation and the freedom of the seas. Um, all of
1: this stuff is pretty openly people kind of know. I don't. I, he's like, he's like, listen, guys, listen. Number one, first and foremost, not a fan of Jews. Just had to throw that out there. Just, you got to throw this out there. I'm not into those guys. But that aside. I want, I, I, I'm here to say free market is great. Got to have the free market. No secret treaties. No, got to have glass doors. No closed doors in this house. Democracy. Everyone needs democracy. We've got to get it out there. We don't want to force anybody. No military action, but we're just going to strongly suggest it. Also, you can fuck in the ocean. Fuck anybody you want and nobody can tell you what to do. I don't give a fuck what you do out there. You could do some weird shit. You could be into that army hammer shit out there. Nobody's going to say anything. So basically
0: Woodrow Wilson, he's a guy, he's tooling around, he's the president. He does some stuff that's cool and some stuff that's not cool. And then he gets the virus. The Spanish
5: flu has circled the earth. An incredible 500 million people, one third of the world's population have been infected. But on April 3rd, the American president falls sick. There has long been speculation that President Wilson may have caught the disease.
3: He had uh, 103 degree temperature. He was vomiting, had diarrhea. These are not necessarily typical of seasonal influenza today, but they were extremely typical of influenza in 1918.
5: At the Wilson Presidential Library in Stanton, Virginia, Nancy Bristow and archivist Mark Peterson are digging through the records of Wilson's doctor, Carrie Grayson. He was with the president in Paris. His papers were donated in 2008.
2: Fever of 103, coffee can't quell, and body aches that are really painful. Those three are such classic symptoms of, in particular, this pandemic influenza.
5: The next morning, Grayson agonizes about what to tell the newspapers. The president had no objection to my announcing that he was sick in bed. In
4: fact, he advised that I do so, because as he pointed out, he did not want anyone to attribute to him any indication of quitting. And he's worrying about how it appears in terms of this
2: international crisis of trying to figure out what a peaceful world could, would look like.
5: The public is told Wilson has a bad cold. Privately, Dr. Grayson tells a friend what had really happened. The president was suddenly taken violently sick with the influenza at a time when the whole of civilization seemed to be in the balance. When Wilson returns to the negotiations, he's a different man. Wilson's confusion suggests he has been stricken with the Spanish flu.
3: In 1918, one of the most common complications was psychological impacts. In fact, there was a scientific assessment that said second only to you know, pneumonia was mental disturbances. There is no doubt that Wilson was thrown off. And mentally, he's just stopped making sense.
5: In October 1919, the president suffers a massive stroke which leaves him paralyzed on his left side. Historians have long blamed Wilson's blood pressure. John Barry also suspects the hidden hand of the Spanish flu.
3: One of the best known complications of influenza are cardiovascular problems. It's a very reasonable to say that the pretty severe influenza attack that Wilson suffered during the Versailles Peace Conference was a contributing factor to the stroke that he suffered months later,
5: though kept a tightly guarded secret, Wilson is essentially incapacitated during his final year in office. I
1: love how every everything about the Spanish flu, this guy just pops up. Yeah, John John
0: Barry, he's in, he's in everything, dude. Where's
1: like we? There's just the one guy. There's just the one expert. This is this all we have?
0: So we're not going to really get into the constitutional side of like keeping a president in in power after
1: they are incapable of performing the duties but what we are going that's that really is crazy like just it's nuts imagining that just for a full year we just didn't really have a president yeah because they were just they were just pretending like he was fine when he was really just like fucking out of his mind
0: but the thing that we're gonna discuss is the fact that
1: so the versailles
0: peace conference was at the end of the first world war all the superpowers got together and they they basically decided well what are we going to do with germany like how are we going to how are we going to do this like we've never had to intervene in a sovereign nation's uh that's been a that's been a foreign enemy to all of us before in, in this way so what are we going to do how are we going to we can't just like take over the country we can't just take it and say oh you know germany's now uh you know the us part 2 or france part 2 or you know any of the Allied forces, Part Two, or whatever.
1: Excuse me, France, Part deux.
0: France, Part deux. France, Part deux. Um We can't. We can't do that. So how how is this going to get sorted out? So they had this thing called the Versailles Peace Conference, where they um, basically all of the superpower world leaders got together and made deals, more or less. Uh, they they created this thing called the Marshall Doctrine, which basically outlined. Which countries would oversee Germany in its reconstruction? In its, you know, which countries would supervise its military? Which countries would supervise its its you know uh, its ability to trade? Um, and all of the superpowers that were you know on the winning side of the war, they had long and arduous negotiations about who would handle what, specifically because there was a lot of money to be made in that conflict. There was a lot of um money on the line for rebuilding. There's a lot of money on the line for trade. There's a lot of money on the line for arms deals. Um, And so Woodrow Wilson not being in his correct state of mind during all of this um, made everything very unstable, which actually basically caused the next World War. World War II happened because of the way the Marshall Doctrine shook out. Um, France was very aggressive and they specifically Wanted um, contracts and supervision over uh, aspects of the of the rebuilding of Germany that were uh, probably should have gone to the U.S., um, but Woodrow wasn't really able to wrangle those
1: things. And so, because you of know that- what, you could have it. Just take it. You know what, I you know, you're all right. I like I like your voice. I like the way that you eat those long breads. (laughs) You could just take it all. Uh, Well, thank you for bringing up uh, long
0: breads, President Wilson, because one of the key attributes um, that fucked everything up for Germany was um, extreme sanctions on on Germany were, were enforced specifically by France. I mean, they were enforced by everybody, but France was one of the key um, instigators in these extreme sanctions. And because of that, loaves of bread sold for upwards of $100.
1: It makes sense to me. $100? as Subway, the long is $5. These were long breads. So, I think the math checks out. I'd pay $100 for one of those long French breads. Have you, see, you seen this Jarrah guy? Okay, this Jarrah guy.
0: He lost so much weight that he was put in prison for losing that amount of weight because those breads are so good, and they're like half of a long
1: bread. Can you even imagine what would happen if you just ate the long bread? That bread was so long that it made him lose an illegal amount of weight. Have you seen that Jared guy's face? His face has
0: eyeballs that just say to you, I only care about one thing, and that thing is
1: longbreads. That is the one thing that he has an obsession about. That lend <laughs> he, he is so obsessed with those long breads. He is in prison because of them. You you—you you know what I'm saying, Pierre? Pierre? You know what I'm you saying? You froggy leg bastard! I've got five hundred dollars. Give me just a—just give me a sack of long breads. Hey, Pierre, where you go? where do you go, Brad? Pierre, Pierre, Pierre. Bring me back some of those long
0: breads when we come back. Bring me back, yeah. Bring me back some of them long breads. <laughs> I love this guy. I love this Pierre guy. He's so cool. What are we doing? I gotta sign this? Yeah, I'll sign this, that's fine. I don't go fuck. I just want some of them long breads.
1: I wanna sail back to my country or fly. I don't know what, if they could do that back then. But you know what? Just give me the long bread. You could just just, just lay it over flat and it'll reach across the ocean <laughs> and I'll take it from my side. <laughs> it'll work out. Hey, you hey, you know, have you, have you ever seen these snowshoes?
0: Well, have you ever seen these long bread shoes? Well, They're like snowshoes but for walking on water. But you just put those long breads on your feet and you just walk on that water.
1: That's what Jesus did. He doesn't want to tell you that, but he couldn't really walk on the water. He could just walking on long breads. The way I like to eat my long breads, I do it a little different than they usually do it. I like to take the long bread, and I like to put it behind my back, and I like to poke it backwards, and then it comes around to my mouth, around the world, and I eat it like that. Look, I'm just saying, Pierre, have you ever tried to butt chug a long bread?
0: I mean, I'm say up here. If you ever try, the way I do that. Frisky, if you ever getting frisky, you want to try and butt chug. You butt chug a long bread, and it is tasty. You could you could put it up there, and you could taste it in your mouth. I swear to God, I'm not even making this up. It's so long, you could taste it in your mouth.
1: The way that I butt chug the long bread is I do it the opposite way. I actually put, I hold the bread in front of me, and I put it, I poke it forward, and then I I take a couple steps back. And that's how I butt chug the long breads.
0: I mean, you want me to sign these documents right now? I will sign these documents. But the only thing I need from you, Pear, the only thing I need for you is you you send me home with someone. Look, I got a top hat. You see this top hat? I'll just smuggle the long bread in this top hat. I don't give a fuck. I just, if I go home to to the little lady, you know, the little lady. If I go home without that, she will kill me. She'll be like, where were you? Were you with the Jews? And I was like, no,
1: I hate the Jews. I I love the long bread because I'm Woodrow Wilson. You know the old saying that they say, happy wife, long bread. That's the saying. I've already signed it. I took one of the long breads and I dipped it in some balsamic vinegar, and then I signed it with that. Which I was originally going to eat it, but then I just decided to write my name on this paper, and it turned out to be the the treaty.
0: Did you know that I am the president of Longbreads? It might say I'm the president of, the president of the United States of America, but I'm not. I'm the president of the Longbreads. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to really
1: this <laughs> back My first act as president of this long bread is to declare war on ciabatta. It's too short. <laughs> if you know anything about me, you know that I love the free market. I love the long bread and I hate the Jews and their ciabatta. And you know what? If you want to have like an illicit relationship where you may or may not hollow out part of the long bread, a little hole in the long bread and, you know, get the, the soft, moist inner meat of the long bread and maybe do something with that. Just do it on the ocean and you can't get arrested ever. <laughs> I love the freedom, I love the sea, and I love long bread. Just put one end of the long bread on France and then one end of it on the United States and you walk across it like a bridge and when you're in the middle, in the middle of the ocean, just cut a little hole in the long bread <laughs> and you ever see that movie with, with, uh, with Jason Biggs? <laughs> it's it'll be just like that. You ever you ever seen that movie
0: Life of Pie? The original title of that movie was Life of Long Breads. He was lost on that ocean and he was in a bread, and then they just CGI'd it to be a boat. But that kid, he knew how to have a good time with that tiger. If you know what I'm saying, he was eating that long bread, <laughs> hanging out with that tiger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Pierre?
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! There, there is a quote. There's a quote that's perfect for this moment. That's in the very beginning of this script, Act One. As we approach our full, our first uh, hour of the 1918 Spanish flu episode, the phrase "How the fuck do we get here?" comes up frequently in conversation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep. How the fuck did we get here? <laughs> if you thought it was weird that we were having a conversation with a short-legged xenophobic robot from another dimension, no, <laughs> we just took a we took a U-turn into anti chibata pro-long bread propaganda.
1: A hundred dollar, a hundred dollar. $100 long breads.
0: So basically this this kind of uh, crush your enemies
1: approach. That, I'm going to that- copyright that melody because I know <laughs> then Warner Brothers is never going to give me any royalties for founding the League of Nations. So I'm going to get some of that sweet, sweet Jared Subway money.
0: <laughs> um. You this, this kind of crush your enemies approach to the, the martial doctrine that came out of the Versailles peace treaties. Um, it, it harbored a, a sense of resentment and despondency in the German people um, that basically just I mean it, it just full- on like decimated Germany, um, which then created a power vacuum which allowed Hitler to rise to power and use um, the Jews as a scapegoat, which then gave way to the rise of Nazis. And here we are then repeating this all over again with the Second World War. So there's a somewhat compelling case to be made that the Second World War would not have happened if Woodrow Wilson hadn't had the virus. And if he had not kept it secret, he might have been able to not catch the virus. Listen, guys,
1: you're so angry. I get it. I understand. I feel the same way as you do about the Jews. I get it. But. You don't have to be so angry about it. Just eat some long bread. Guys, the bread isn't long enough in Germany. They have that short German bread. That's why they're so angry all the time. That's why they start these wars. (laughs) Guys, look at your bread right now. Your bread looks like a teapot, okay? Your bread could fit in a bread box. And in my book, that's no good. Your bread should never actually be able to fit in a bread box. If your bread fits in a bread box then you're not thinking outside of the bread box and your bread is not long enough.
0: Look, all I'm saying right now is I've got some bread and I've got a box that's supposed to be for the bread, but I could tell you I'm a little bit of a maverick. I'm a little bit of a rule breaker and I like to keep bread outside of the bread box, especially when it's long.
1: Listen, think outside of the box and I'm also going to copyright that and in a couple hundred years if any like taco based restaurant wants to use that i will also get royalties from that
0: well what, what was that what was what was that Pierre? i'm bleeding out of my nose mouth and eyes no i'm just i'm just hungry i just need some more long bread that's balsam that's balsamic vinegar <laughs> that's just blood <blood-somic> vinegar okay <laughs>
1: If we know anything about me, it's that I love balsamic vinegar. I've eaten so much long bread doused in balsamic vinegar that it's literally coming out of my ears, mouth, nose, and eyes. Look,
0: all I'm saying is I got that bacterial pneumoniums, but what I really got is that bacterial long bread mumps. If you know what I'm saying,
1: <laughs> it's it's not okay that the that the, the, the debo vid 18 bit and this bit are in the same episode <laughs> it's not okay
0: <laughs> you mean because it's too good or because you're gonna have to choose one because it's just indecipherable to anyone that's not you and me
1: i don't mean either of those things i don't <laughs> it's like it's like if it's like if spider-man 3 not only had Sandman, son of Green Goblin, and Venom, but then it also had Rhino and fucking Doc Ock.
0: So basically, if it was a Sinister Six movie, yes, that sounds great to me.
1: I didn't say it was bad. I just said it wasn't okay.
0: <laughs> um, so to to bring this this uh, baby ciabatta home. Um, <laughs> To, to, to get this long bread into I would the-
1: never bring a baby ciabatta home. I would throw that baby ciabatta in the dumpster.
0: Um, Basically, all of the-
1: I'm pro-choice when it comes to baby chabatas.
0: But if you choose ciabatta, you ain't no fucking friend of mine.
1: I'm a proponent of bread-genics.
0: <laughs> Only the longest of bread shall survive. Um, so basically here we are repeating all this all over again, you know, um, you know, rises in intolerance and rises in, in, uh, in misinformation and, and xenophobia and, uh, lack of education about, um, medical, uh, side effects of this virus. And, uh, you know, just basically why the fuck aren't we paying people and having them stay home to literally save lives? Like we should just be having rolling, $2,000 $2,000 checks. A single fucking check does nothing. Fuck all of you guys in positions of power. This is so fucking stupid. Um, yeah, I guess in closing, my final thought, and then I'll pass it over to you, Mr. Mr. Papa Price. <clears throat> my final thought would probably be along the lines of, um, fuck you, Mitch McConnell. I, you're an undead turtle with no penis looking motherfucker, and I, know your breath smells like ciabatta
1: you eat the ciabatta sandwich every morning yeah i you you kind of you kind of touched on it in the very beginning but uh you know to to really bring that point home it's you know it's 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 almost kind of like a damned if you do damned if you don't scenario because as a result of this sort of misinformation campaign that existed at this time and the fact that it I guess, more or less got overshadowed by World War One, which is kind of a it's a it's a it's a better story if you're, you know, in, in the in the in the book of our nationalist um, revisionist version of American history that gets taught in schools and just sort of taught culturally and. Um, It's there's no there's no good story here. I mean, if if it was a story of us overcoming this pandemic, then it might have been more heavily um, taught. But the fact that it was like kind of just a it was just an exercise in utter failure. It was just like we fucked this up majorly. And in so many ways, this could have been prevented at the scale it was. And yet through all of these different incompetencies and smoke screens, it was just exacerbated into this much bigger problem. That's just not, a, it's not a, that doesn't fit into that narrative, but world war one does the, the narrative of the two world, the two wars where, you know, we've just fucking crushed our enemies. Uh, so, you know, it, as a result of that, this sort of gets left out of mainstream um, historical, the the mainstream historical record. And, that, and that's why a lot of people don't really know about it. I think a lot of people maybe vaguely recognize the phrase Spanish flu, but just have no idea what it means or what it was or what that even is tied to historically. And obviously, that's, you know, things like that. As I said before, the whole history is doomed to repeat itself if you don't learn from it thing you know, that's one side of that coin where it's like people just don't have no have no frame of reference or cultural memory for that. So we have no idea that we've been through this before and that we we have no idea of what we lost and what our stupidity caused and how much we bungled that up and, we, and how much these things have already happened and we've already kind of went through this cycle before. But then on the other hand, uh, you know, I almost feel like maybe if we had done that, if we if if. If the if the if the, if the Spanish flu or the 1918 pandemic was more a part of main the mainstream historical record, um, you know it's it it sometimes these historical these just historical events. I mean, human beings are bad at we're 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 bad at at sort of re- reconciling with history and confronting it and learning from it. And we're and we're also bad at just rem- remembering things, keeping things in our cultural memory for longer than you know, y- y- yeah, longer than a ciabatta. Uh, we're we're bad at those things, but we're also bad at grasping the context of a situation and really understanding and um, I- accepting something for its realistic truth. And keeping it at a distance as just a story of some old thing that happened. So I almost there's also a scenario where we really did keep this into the cultural consciousness, but we still don't learn from it. In fact, it maybe is used against us where there was this thing that happened where this 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 pandemic happened and we crushed it and we you know defeated it. And then it would almost be used as like the opposite weapon where. People use that as an example of why we don't need to freak out. We don't need to take it seriously because we already did this before and we crushed it back then. So we'll crush it now. We don't have to worry about it. So, you know, I almost feel like maybe if we, even if we had kept this in the cultural consciousness, it might not have helped us because at the end of the day, it's not really about whether or not we kept it in the cultural consciousness or whether we can learn from history or not. And it's just that like human beings just seem prone to not learning from history no matter what whether we just forget about something or whether we like revise history to change the narrative and take the opposite lesson away from it than we should have or should be um so yeah it's it's just it's it's really frustrating i i i, I resonate with the uh with the uh despite all my rage i'm still uh locked here with these doofuses or whatever that act title was for act one i, I really resonate with that because i i I just find myself overcome with an a frustration and an anger that I just can't solve. It's like you and just like you can't get away from it. Um, it's 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 hard to to cope with staggering amounts of stupidity and selfishness that selfishness that we are sort of just uh, surrounded by, but also just existing in the context of every day. I'm Dave Baker, and I'm Andrew Price.
0: This has been Deep Cuts. You can find me online at heydavebaker.com. Where you can find my comics, <clears throat> Fuck Off Squad, Action Hospital, Night Hunters, uh, Star Trek Voyager, all kinds of stuff. Please go to a comic book store and buy Night Hunters and or Star Trek Voyager. They're both out right now being serialized. It's pretty cool to see them going out. If you have bought them and uh, have them laying around your house, take a photo, tag me in that shit. It's fun to see all the people...
1: With their books. It's cool. Um, Andrew, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me in my fucking house or in certain outside areas wearing a mask and staying away from people and being responsible with where I go and how I choose to spend my time outside um, until a larger number of people get vaccinated. And, uh, you can also find me at dapricerights.com, where you can get my book, Deadbolt AI Private Eye. You can also get the official Mystery Treehouse Investigation Agency membership patch at either my website, dapricerights.com, or you can get it at Dave's website that he just mentioned, or you can get it at deepcutspod.com. Any one of our, any one of our sites, you can go to our store and buy the patch. And, uh, it's pretty cool. It's got a, it's got an illustration of Dave and me that uh, Dave uh, drew and colored, and uh, it's a cool little patch. You can you can put it on your you can you can you can sew it into your your bread.